Hey, hey, it's Andy Honest, and you're listening to the first ever live Pod Slamma Jamma podcast presented by, well, we own it. We own the whole dang show here presented by Let's Rage Cougs. On this episode, we'll be talking basketball-heavy focus. It's American Athletic Conference Media Day. We'll start out with the women's basketball team. We'll transition over to the men's. And in between, we'll also be talking about the new Lincoln Cougs name, image, and likeness collective that launched just last Friday. Do not go anywhere. You are a part of history, the first ever live Let a Pod Slamma Jamma show yeah, high standards high goals you know we know what it takes to get there i want to be unguardable <laughs> if i'm honest coaches coach players play you know and that's a great place to be in your life where you can care less what other people are saying always joining me day on dunlap how you doing sir hey man i'm doing well live in effect i'm glad you guys are joining us live trying something new and so i'm doing good man it's a good day good content to be put out how are you i'm doing great and this is right off the bat one of the reasons why we wanted to do it live we wanted to have that interaction hey sean what's up we're doing good how are you doing we hope that you are doing uh, well, as part of that interaction, we're going to be a part of, obviously, uh, talking about American Athletic Conference Media Day when it comes to both the women's and men's basketball teams. But we'd like to hear you guys' input from um, our viewers or listeners. And if you are listening to the audio-only version the day after on the Spotify, Apple Podcast, where so many platforms, I'm not going to list them all. Uh, but we appreciate you guys as well. But we wanted to have that direct interaction with people. So we're trying something out, and we'll see how it goes. But right off the bat, I think this is the sign right there where we know that the basketball season is right around the corner because today the American athletic conference hosted its annual basketball media day. They did it a bit interesting where they had the schools obviously go have their certain time windows, but they had both the men's and women's basketball teams go back to back. So the women's team actually kicked off for Houston. It was followed by Layla Blair and Bria Patterson. And then uh, the men's got rolling with Kelvin Sampson and Sasser and Jamal shed. So now that we are recording this, or I guess that we're live, we are under 26 days until November 7th when both the men's and women's basketball teams um, tip off their season for the 2022-23 season. And obviously a big year for both uh, for both teams. And quite frankly, when it comes uh, to expectations for both programs, we'll start with the women's side. And they were picked to finish uh, number two in the American Athletic Conference behind only USF. A lot of high expectations and high praise for guard Layla Blair, who was one of only two unanimous players uh, voted by the coaches that was selected to one of the all-conference teams. She was all-conference first in the American Athletic Conference. And just a big props to her. But real quickly, before we get into any uh, type of audio or anything like that uh, what are your thoughts on where first the women's team was ranked finished to, to picked to be number two in the conference and also about Layla Blair and, and um, that high praise she garnered from fellow coaches well for those of you who've been watching our previous episodes you would know that I'm not surprised by that um, it's pretty much what I predicted um, coach you remember talking about her potentially being the preseason player of the year in the conference it was only one player that I knew who, would, who could get the vote before her and that's Shanika with South Florida. But I'm not surprised. Pick two in the league and South Florida, the reigning uh, – well, they were one of the years before, but um, I expected them to be um, number one in AR. So Houston is right there in two. Um, not surprised about that. You return what Houston has coming back this year. Um, I think it's well-deserving so coming into the season. Now, Coach Ewing, his availability did very well, um, kind of temper. I don't want to say tempering down expectation. He acknowledged that this award is based on last year and what the coaches and media foresee coming into this um, season. So no surprise about me. Layla definitely deserving of her preseason um, All-America team honors, unanimous, by the way. I think she will um, for sure make that first team when it's all said and done. I think a couple other players on Houston have the potential to make either first or second team as well. And so overall, no surprises um, on my end. 
Yeah, a bit interesting that uh, Houston was picked to finish second in the conference. Layla Blair was the lone player on either first or, or the all-conference second teams that were representing Houston. Now, I did mention that Blair was one of only two players of unanimous selection for that all-conference first team. Savannah Wilkinson, the senior forward from SMU, was number two. And like you mentioned, Elena, uh, can you repeat her last name? Because it's a, it's a bit – can you say that again? Seneke. Uh, the T is kind of silent. Yeah. yeah, so Elena Seneke, she was right there along with Layla Blair as the other guard on the all-conference first team. And then we had Dulce Fankham. I'm a butcher a lot of these names. Mendiado. Mendiado. Um, also, Mendiado, another forward from South Florida. And then we wrapped it up with Tamira Pondexter, correct, Pond. from Tulsa sophomore forward and then when it comes to the preseason all-conference second team Jillian Hayes junior guard for Cincinnati Jamara shoots the fifth year guard out of Memphis Dinah Jones the guard out of Tulane a lot of Tulsa players senior guard Maddie Biddle uh, rounded out the all-conference second team and Maya Mayberry finished up that all-conference second team for Tulsa. So um, Tulsa had three players on either both of the conference teams. So they, they're going to be a team to watch. And like you mentioned, that's something that uh, Ron Huey said, that a lot of these expectations, a lot of these preseason predictions are based off last year. And now it's up mm-hmm. to the actual teams to go out on the court and be able to basically perform for the upcoming season. Here's what Ron Huey had to say that about those expectations for the program. They are they were picked second by the fellow coaches, but overall the talent that they are returning to the team. As coming back, and he joins us now from Houston. Coach Huey, nine seasons there for you at Houston. Welcome in. Nine seasons for you there at Houston. When you take a look at this talent on your roster and everything you have coming back, where does this group stack up? Morgan, I'm really, really excited about this group. And I think they hold a... Uh, a position of their own. You know, the one thing I can say about this group is we have a lot of talent from top to bottom and a lot of returners. Um, but the thing that they bring that some of our other groups didn't have was, you know, just an intensity each and every day to understand that you have to pay the price in order to be and go where you anticipate on going through your season. Um, so we don't have any days where we're lacking, you know, physicality or we're lacking intensity or we're lacking uh, willing to pay that price every day. And I think that's what this group brings um, to the table every day, that they're willing to do the work. Um, we have a, a mantra on our board, excuse me, on our wall. It's about 40 feet from end to end that says every day is a tryout. And they embrace that every single day. Um, this group just understands that, you know. Every day is a trial, every day is an interview, and they come to uh, bring that type of work ethic every single day. You know, that's why we say humble and hungry. Um, we want to keep the mentality that we eat off the floor. You know, the minute that we have to have the shiny silverware, we have to have the napkin tucked in our shirt, um, that we have to be, you know, correctly pulled up to the table with our elbows off the table and all of that kind of stuff is the minute we start to go down because, you know, success brings ease and everybody wants it to be easy but we want to stay on that hard path we want to continue to fulfill our legacy here at the university of houston interesting walk-off quote there we want to continue to fulfill our legacy at the university of houston there are a lot of expectations for this team again i mentioned not only what the coaches um kind of predicted them to be but just ron huey himself he's entering like you heard it right off the top uh on the soundbite right there he's been with the houston Cougars a very very long time and now uh, again they have a big chunk of their core returning and really the sky's the limit for this program Sky's the limit, and I feel like over these last, I would say, two to three seasons, he's really, really been able to fully um, change the culture and kind of set the culture. I know it takes a while. Some coaches is able to set that different than others, but I would say I've seen the ship personally over the last two to three seasons, and like he talked about this group, uh, specifically um, not having any down moments as far as energy and knowing expectation and what it takes to reach those because pretty much the core players from two years ago, it's almost the same core as far as the players who was part of that team that was first four out. And so the hunger is still there. Then the season went how it did last year. And so I think um, the core knows what it takes, the hungry to get to and reach their team goals. And like you said, they want it, like he just said, I should say, 
They want to change the legacy. They want to submit their legacy. They want to get Houston women's basketball to prominence level. They haven't been there um, for a while since 2011, 2012, last time they reached the um, NCAA. And so, I mean, you got homegrown talent like Layla Blair, and you also you got Tatiana Hill who are coming back with a senior, as well as Brittany Onya J, uh, Tierra Young, Bria Patterson. I mean, the list goes on. And so um, I think this year definitely – is the year that I expect them to exceed expectations more importantly, just to reach their goals and play to the true potential of what they have. Yeah. And, and pretty, um, one of the things that Ron Huey said, I think, um, it, I can't remember if it was, um, Bria or Layla Blair that they kind of mentioned it, but just overall this season, just, it, it really seems like there's been a more emphasis. And obviously when, when we cover Houston, we, you're going to hear this word a lot, just overall being across each program with the word culture. <laughs> you, you read it right out of my mind. But one of the interesting stories that Huey shared with us was that they have a mantra on their board that says every day is a tryout. That's kind of the thing that something that Huey has, has told us in the past, just in terms of obviously how last season went, especially starting off the season, it was a bit of a roller coaster um, during our conference play and uh, it, it kind of lingered into American Athletic Conference play and uh, once they were able to get towards the tan end of the season it certainly looked like they had hit their stride but um, it's really going to be much more of an emphasis for this team to to be much more consistent starting right out the gate strong and not necessarily having those um, kind of ups and downs that they had a season ago. Yeah consistency is the number one word um, when you're talking about this team and sustaining consistency throughout the um, game and not playing down to the level of your competition, um, I would say. But more importantly, just controlling what they can control and playing true to the culture and the identity that they have set. Because you just heard Coach Huey talk about kind of that grit and grind mentality, eating off the floor, not having like proper manners, being proper etiquette as far as the elbows on the yeah. table. So he's really alluding to playing um, hard-nosed, grit and grinding basketball because this Houston women's basketball team, they pressed the entire game. A full-court game, they want to speed it up. They want to turn you over. They want to play a fast place and get you to play sloppy and to a speed that you're not accustomed to playing. And so that's what he's speaking to, and that's what he's getting at. And um, – I think this team has the identity to do it. They have the depth to go along with every day. It's a tryout to know that, hey, it's not going to be any drop-offs whenever um, someone isn't playing well or isn't practicing well or to the standard or to the culture. You can be replaced on any given game. And I think he's done an outstanding job building that depth. But now we're just about putting it all together, earning out the kinks, and um, letting players develop their roles for this season. Um, I think you got your core – but still, on a year-to-year basis, you got to allow the players to kind of um, play into their roles. The coach really does an outstanding job of that. We mentioned Layla Blair and Bria Patterson. We're going to hear from them and what they had to say. First, Layla Blair talking about what it was like to or what it meant to her to be named um, to the conference all-team or the all-conference first team. Bit of a tongue twister right there. And you're going to hear Bria Patterson as well as she describes um, kind of the strength of Layla Blair. Obviously, it's preseason. It doesn't mean much, but does that motivate you to to kind of get that acknowledgement from a fellow coaches across the conference that you know, they recognize the the skill that you have been able to put, the work that you have been able to put, and really in high regard where they have you or where they hold you at? Yeah, Andy, I would say it's definitely an honor. I'm blessed to just be mentioned and to be, you know, sought after and just thought of in that way. So um, at the end of the day, you know, I don't seek validation from outside sources. Um, I always try to keep it within, you know, and as far as, you know, keeping the, you know, supreme validation, which is from God. So I think just being able to get validate, validated and recognized by other people is great because it's human nature. We all want to be recognized. We all want to have attention in some type of way. But at the same time, you know, I'm just following, you know, following one step in front of the other and um, not trying to rush it. So just allowing everything to fall where it needs to fall and just trying to be the best version that I can be. Like like I told you before, you know, being able to just be a, a, a ultimate great player, whether that's being unguardable, whether that's being locked down defender, uh, whatever it is, whatever it calls me to be, like, in the best way, I want to be that.
Hey, Layla. Hey, Bria. It's Brooke Weisbrot here in the studio. It was really fun watching you guys break out in the uh, American tournament last year. We're looking forward to even bigger things this year. And it just so happens to be spooky season. So I would love to hear your takes on each other. What makes their game so scary? Bria, let's start with you. Uh, Layla, but like she said, I think she's unguardable. She's uh, arguably our best player on the team. And just having her on the team with her leadership, how she uh, – um, Let's set the game. Just have her on the floor is something we're going to need, and I think everybody has respected her game on the team. So, thank you, Bria. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would. You want me to go? Do y'all want me to go for Bria? Yes. <laughs> yes, I would definitely say, man, the uh, most grittiest, toughest, um, resilient player I know. Um, one of the best teammates I've ever came across, and I'm just thankful to be on a team with her. Um, she teaches me toughness by how hard she plays and how hard she goes out everything, whether it's conditioning, whether it's, you know, watching film, it's whatever. You know, she has a can-do attitude, and I really appreciate that about her. And uh, like I said, it's sky's the limit for her. She's not just this tough player. She actually can, you know, get buckets too. So, I mean, that's going to be seen this year, you know. Um, say less, you know, do more. So she's going to show it. Say less, do more. You got to see a lot of uh, really, even though it's a little bit and it's I mean, they're just having fun. But you, you kind of see a lot of the team chemistry and the, their interactions as well. Yeah, you see the team chemistry and um, you, you see the connectiveness, the chemistry, like you said. But I, I want to talk um, about Bria's game because um, she's one of those players who can really is a positionless player, can do everything on the floor. And I think um if she continues to expand her game and look to be just a, maybe a little bit more aggressive on the offensive end, it can only open up the floor for everyone else because she plays the, the four spot in which she guards four. And she can also go pretty much guard every um, position on the floor, but she has the ability to catch the rebound and push the break in transition and also in the half court beat players off the dribble. And so I think in times she should be maybe just a tad bit more selfish just to look to score because when they get offensive production from her specifically to scoring, it really, really makes Houston hard to beat. I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but the games that she played and scored over double digits, Houston had won majority of those games. She's going to rebound. Um, you know she's going to do that. She's a good three-point shooter. She – continues to be consistent, knocking down her three-point shot. I think she is the key not only to their defense, but specifically offense. Defense, Coach Huey just raves and said she's the engine that makes them go. She um, jump starts the press. But, man, Layla, um, I love the chemistry there because she's talking about leadership. And she Bria has been there for a while. And one thing that stood out to me is she's talked about is toughness. Bria doesn't lack toughness. Coach Shuey referred to her as the rock of their team last year. And so when you hear arguably your best player, um, Layla Blair, talk about how one of her teammates and she learns from her, whether it's film, whether it's defense or whatever the case may be, that she's being um, open to learning from her teammates and an older teammate at that. And so um, and like Layla, um, I love her quotes, everything she said. It's not just offense in which she wants to be unguardable, but yeah. she also wants to be a lockdown defender. And that's something um, she has to work on. Uh, there are times last season where teams went at her on the defensive end. I think part of that is to make her exude energy on the defensive end because they know how potent she is offensively. And so I think it's kind of a two-edged sword. But, man, I love both comments from both players, both players really, really high on each other. And like you just said, the chemistry sticks out. Absolutely. And kind of the, the quote of media day for the women's basketball team, the sky's the limit. And it's going to be interesting to see um, if this team can put it together and, and really what they can do in the final year in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, they also will tip off their season November 7th. They will be on the road against Louisiana to tip off their season. But exciting times for both programs. Uh, but don't go anywhere right now. We are going to transition to our second segment. It's going to be a bit weird because we're having a segue. We never had to do a live segue. So I'm going to do. I'm gonna take this opportunity to kind of uh, take the full screen there if... Um, 
take the full screen for a second and just plug the show sponsor. Since we are doing live, we have live segments for Pod Slam and Jammy. You can sponsor the show if you are uh, familiar with our Let's Rage Coops post game show on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel. By the way, you can catch that after every football and men's basketball game this season. You know that we kind of embed those commercials into the program. We want, we would love to be able to do that with this episode or with this podcast and Pots Time Jamma. So any questions or if you would like to be part of advertising with the actual Let's Rage Cougs postgame show, feel free to reach out at that email as you see it on the screen. That's letsragecougs at gmail.com. All lowercase, uh, no any extra symbols. That's just letsragecooks at gmail.com. And on that note, Dan, I'm going to bring you back to the screen. You were there solo for a second. I mean, do that. But we're live. We're rolling the punches. This is one of the best things about being live. You don't know what's not supposed to happen, so everything's supposed to happen. Uh, yeah. By the way, we also like to give a huge shout-out to our commenters, our viewers that are commenting with the show. Sean, Lamar Sanders, uh, whoever's workout playlist. I know you're excited for Saturday's scrimmage. Be- the red and white scrimmage for the men's basketball team. Uh, Med Ed with MIG. Excited to see Marcus Sasser's growth and to see how the guys fit in. And Sean is excited for Tremont Mark and a healthy Tremont Mark and Marcus Sasser. Uh, but we're not going to get to the men's basketball team just quite yet. We will be talking about name, image, and likeness first. Uh, this segment we just talked about ads is sponsored by at the Texas Juan on Twitter. So be sure to give out a fellow Houston Cougar alum a shout out who's sponsoring this segment. And in particular, when it comes to name, image, and likeness, obviously it's kind of been the, the big thing that's taken over the college landscape for the past uh, year and some change when it comes to months when it officially became um legal for lack of a better term for athletes to be able to profit off their name image and likeness and notice i did say legal i didn't say it it became a thing um but anyways we'll we'll digress that's a that's a topic for another show um but now it's been able to be brought to the forefront and uh layla blair who you just saw in our previous segment during american athletic conference media day she's one of the athletes that has really been able to benefit on her name image and likeness and she was asked about it by a friend of the show chris garner of the houston round ball review and really she said how she's she's enjoyed it she's been able i think it was very interesting um to hear talk about it she's the way she described it, she's been able to build a brand um, and really one that, that focuses on really her beliefs, her faith, a lot of different companies that kind of um, support who she is as a person. And that's the best thing, one, that they're able to profit off their name, image and likeness since it is, you know, at the end of the day, what they are, are marketing themselves, what they have been able to accomplish is kind of being able to, to reap some benefits off um, the hard work they have been able to put in as athletes, but then also overall being able to to take advantage of it while they can while they are um in college because a lot of these athletes obviously their big goal is to go pro at the next level but for a lot of them you know uh, the max capitalization do it while you can at the college level before you go on to future endeavors and more importantly start at the process while in college i think that's yeah. one level um and one key asset that they can't do specifically referring to women because um, WNBA um, salary isn't as lucrative as some of the NBA players. So you look at players like Layla who has professional aspirations. You look at a player like her who can continue to build her brand and that can follow her into her professional career. Um, you continue to uh, monetize yourself and your brand and people follow you no matter where you play, where you go all over the world. So I think, I think that's something uh, is much needed. And I'm, I think she's doing an outstanding job of doing not only that, but just all athletes all over um, the country, but specifically um, to Houston. I love how Houston is getting behind um, their players, whether it's football, basketball, all sports. And I love all the local businesses and now um the school is partnering with ways to kind of invest in the players because, I mean, let's be frank, the players make um, colleges so much money, college uh, coaches get paid, everyone's get paid, and now players finally get a piece of that pie. I'm glad to see my alma mater, um, my university, University of Houston, being a university that's really, really um, partnering and trying to help move the needle and help players with that nil exactly and when it comes to partnering uh, one of the biggest things that came just off last week and there's been a lot of nil news um regarding houston uh the university of houston but the most recent one came off of the launch of linking cougs uh the first official houston cougars full collective um the nil collective which really when you kind of 
peel back at what linking cubes is, it really is kind of being that middleman of facilitating. You know, there's a lot of businesses around the Houston area, some even national brands that, especially when you look at some of the programs success they've had, um, it, it gives them a lot of, it makes them very marketable for the lack of a better phrase, um, where yeah. a lot of these businesses want to work with them. And linking cubes is kind of um, the middleman in between there where they like to fill that row connect um, those business businesses with the athletes. And it's a pretty cool um, for UH athletes because it's open to all athletes in whatever sport, whether it's Olympic, whether it's uh, basketball, football, um, like I mentioned, any yeah. of the, the Olympic sports, the track and sports uh, or track and field, uh, volleyball, you name it. If, if it's uh, an athlete, if it's um, a, an athlete, not an athlete, if it's in a program at the University of Houston and you're an athlete at Houston, you can benefit off your name, image and likeness through Lincoln Cougs. And you're going to check out here. Uh, Landon Goslin, who a former Houston guard for the Houston Cougars men's basketball team, he's been a part of La Launch. He is a spokesperson for Lincoln Cougs. Here's what he had to say on why it was important to launch a Houston NIL collective. Landon, why was it important to start a collective at the University of Houston? Yeah, I think it, you know it's 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 a joy to like I like I mentioned earlier, man. It's a joy to be able to to give back to a university that's done so much for me and changed my life. Um, you know. I, like I said, I get to be one to, to work with the kids and kind of deliver the news to them. Um, and, and, you know, it's changing their lives, you know. And I think that the biggest piece of this whole thing has just been the education of the NIL um, and letting people know, you know, what they can do uh, for these kids and how much it means to them. Um, so to be able to, to give back to the University of Houston, which, like I said, has done so much for me, has been an absolute joy. You, if you could reiterate what you were saying a while ago about how the players have gotten, the athletes have gotten the most to bring up tears, tell me about that. Yeah, so I, like I said, I got the best part of this whole deal. I get to you know, deliver the news to the athlete and let them know, you know, fill in the blank. You have a partnership with, with this company. And uh, there's been multiple times now where some of these kids have, have said, you know, really me or, you know, brought to tears and started crying. Um, you know, in person, and it's like I said, it's a, an absolute joy to be able to give back uh, to the University of Houston um, and to get this thing rolling. Once again, that was uh, Landon Gosson talking about Lincoln Cougs, and actually one of the founders for Lincoln Cougs was former UH quarterback. He played quarterback for the Cougars from 2007 uh, to 2011, while at the same time, um, Austin Elrod, he was the, kind of one of the leading founders um, when it comes to launching Lincoln Cougs, um, there are various other partners that uh, helped kind of get this off the ground. And something that Landon talked about this was the, this was a huge process. It was a month long process where I mean they looked at what some of the other universities were doing, what had worked, um, what hadn't worked, what they could build, and really you heard Landon right there talk about why it's important to to start a collective at Houston. But really, you see a lot of these universities and just sticking with the American Athletic Conference and just sticking with Texas. Um, and obviously Houston's about to make that jump to the Big 12, it, it might make it more important. It does make it more important. Not might. It does make it more important that now they do have that official collective. But even look at, at something like a school like SMU, what they've been able to do with their NIL collective. And they're, they're probably one of the schools that's leading the way when it comes to all the different stuff, marketable stuff that, one, it's helping the athletes being able to, to profit off their name, image, and likeness. But at the same time, it's adding more exposure to uh, the university itself and a lot of the programs like look at here this is all the cool stuff that that can be done through a collective so it certainly is something that houston in the long run is going to need especially to stay competitive once they make that jump to the big 12 and are competing against a lot of those other uh, big schools not only in texas but across the country yep and that's a great point that you make about the importance of it going to um, a larger conference and w with other schools who of our, I don't want to say already, but they are doing their due diligence to provide athletes an avenue for NIL. And so um, that's an area that Houston must make sure they're not falling behind the ball and must keep up because um, when they move into those conferences, that's a recruiting pitch now. Kids going to want to know how – I don't want to say how much they can make, not, not like they're asking the coaches how much they can make, but they want to know avenues – are there avenues for them to receive NIL deals and how um, – are there things in place for for athletes to be able to do so? Because nowadays, I mean, not only do some players come into college 
with a following. Some players do not. And so they may need that extra resources and that support to help land some of those NIL deals. And um, some players come from different backgrounds, different financial situations. And so it's a huge, huge deal for players because um, not a lot of them are going to make it professionally. So having that chance to provide not only for yourself, but potentially for your family while playing a sport in college is a huge deal because you never know how long um, your sport journey is going to last, especially when you um, have aspirations going professionally and the numbers that ended up making it to play professionally. Absolutely. And again, just looking at that, um, something's going to be, it's going to matter, especially as the years go on. And a lot of these athletes are making their decision on where to choose. I mean, just look at the Boulevard Collective, which is uh, the collective at SMU. And, and, this is going to be something that's unique, but they were at a point where uh, each player, a football and men's basketball players, they're collecting $36,000 just to play at SMU, which is absurd. And again, that, that uh, that's probably not the, the best use of NIL. And that's, that's not how people uh, want it to go. But at the end of the day, that's what you're competing against. And that's what you have to stay relevant to. And I think it's cool. First, first of all, when it comes to the Houston, um, the Lincoln Cougs collective that is not necessarily like that. It's much more with the athletes that are already here, but the most second most important thing or the most important thing to be honest is that it's open to all athletes at UH and they're kind of just being that, that middle um, person in between that's kind of facilitating connecting those businesses with the players, which are, are all athletes, not just um, particular players. And that's probably the most important thing because it, it, especially when it comes to a lot of these smaller sports, like you said, um, that don't get a lot of that exposure, at least not on the, the college uh, level, it really helps them to, to benefit and, and take advantage while they can, while they are in college. For sure. And, it, and it's a huge deal. It, it's a, it's a must have. Um, I, I like everything about it. I like players making 36,000. I wish they could make more. Um, I love everything about it. I'm pro player. Um, they've been been taken advantage of for so long, and I hear so I hear people out there um, not liking it or criticizing NIL because players are getting this um, getting money, and other schools are paying players or whatever the case may be. They want it to be an equal level field in which it, it wasn't equal for the players before that, and so. I think it's something that is much needed. Um, I don't look down on any school doing whatever. If they have boosters that's willing to pay or whatever they have, I'm pro player, and I think players should get every penny they deserve for their name, image, and likeness that they can get. Uh, I mean, you, some universities or some students go to go see certain players. You go to bookstores like in University of Houston. When I was there, you see a number 10 jersey, you knew it was Ed Oliver. You would want an Ed Oliver jersey. <laughs> they so, did not have the name. They didn't have the name, but that's what you wanted. And so just example like that and fast forward it to now, you see the number zero basketball, you're going to be thinking Marcus Sasser. And so mm -hmm. um, just things like that, man. I, I love it. I love Houston and the um, – uh, the group and taking the initiative to kind of be that a liaison between companies and players to kind of tie it all in together is something Houston needs. And like I said, um, my university not falling behind, but paying attention to different things out there to making sure they're staying in the loop and staying on pace for Houston to not to fall behind. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for this segment. Once again, it was sponsored by at the Texas Juan on Twitter don't go anywhere. It's coming right up on the other side of one of my other commercial breaks. We'll talk about the men's basketball team and what they had to say during American Athletic Conference Media Day. Don't go anywhere. You're listening or watching live, the first ever live episode on the Pod Slime and Jamma YouTube account of the Pod, Jamma, Pod Slime and Jamma podcast. Don't go anywhere. Hey, this time I got the full screen right on the first try, but this time I'm going to take the opportunity to promote our other show, Let's Rage Cougs, that streams live roughly 10, 15 minutes after each and every football and men's basketball game. We're going to be doing that this season. We've already got six football post-game shows, unofficial post-game shows um, in the rearview mirror. We're looking ahead for the final six for the football season, and we got the full slate of games for the men's basketball season. Be sure to check out Let's Rage Cougs. We've uh, really enjoyed the the build that we've been able to do with Let's Rage Cougs, the unofficial post-game show of UH men's basketball and football. Check it out. Streaming week return October 22nd. 
um, roughly 10 to 15 minutes following Houston Navy. And on that note, I will bring back Dayon. Um, a whole bunch of different ways we can mess around with the screens there, as you saw our transition. But now we're going to be talking about the men's basketball team, who um, obviously we know all the expectations for them heading into the season, not only when it comes to the American Athletic Conference. So no surprise that they were picked for the fourth straight year to be the number one team when it comes to, to preseason uh, predictions to be the number one team in the American Athletic Conference. They were the unanimous preseason favorite. They received all 10 um, coaches' votes possible. Obviously, um, Calvin Sampson couldn't vote for Houston himself. He gave that vote to Memphis. Um, but Houston was unanimously number one in the conference. And they, they swept a lot of the awards. Marcus Sasser was picked as the preseason player of the year in the American Athletic Conference. Jarvis Walker, who... There's a lot of buzz around him just being the first five-star recruit under Calvin Sampson, 2022 McDonald's All-American. He was picked to be the preseason rookie of the year in the American Athletic Conference. And Marcus Sasser was also unanimously selected to be on the all-conference first team in the in the American Athletic Conference. And then Jamal Shedd was also selected to represent Houston in the preseason all-conference second team. So Houston well represented when it comes to those awards. Real quick before we get into anything, uh, like I said, not really a surprise there, just when you look at all the expectations um, for Houston, especially when it comes to national. And it doesn't matter uh, what outlet you ask, whether it's ESPN, CBS, um, the, lo- the list goes on and on. You can ask Bleacher Report, 24-7 Sports. They all have Houston as a top five, uh, top five team in the entire nation heading into the 2022-23 season. And a big portion of them have them as a top three team in the country heading into the season. A lot of expectations, but you know Calvin Sampson. He doesn't care about any single one of those. It's just, you know, he said it's the favorite time of the year, October, because he's teaching a lot of the new faces, you know, to to going back to what we said in the first segment, to learn the culture, learn everything that Houston likes to instill early on. Yeah, he does, and um, he's done an outstanding job of tampering down the expectations early on especially because of the last couple of years, like you mentioned, um, the expectation has been high and he does an outstanding job of making sure the players are where their feet are and paying attention to and respecting the process is really what I'm trying to say, respecting the process and mm-hmm. knowing the journey that they have to take and taking it day at a time and then eventually a game at a time. And so, man, I'm excited. I, I Although I'm not surprised Marcus Sasser was the preseason player of the year, but it's surprising when you have the reigning player of the year in the American Conference, Kendrick Davis, still in the conference, and he was picked over him. And so that was not a surprise, like I should say, because Marcus Sarris is definitely deserving. But with Kendrick Davis going to Memphis team, in which he would be surrounded with more talent than he played with at SMU, I think his stats could potentially be even better, but that's another story for another day. But Houston, um, well-deserving preseason favorite to win the American Conference, but – they got to put it all together. They got the best coach in the conference, in my opinion, the best coach even in the country. So I'm excited for him to cook it all up and see um, what he has <laughs> in store. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we've kind of focused on Houston. Uh, and we're going to hear from Calvin Sampson. Here's what he had to say about the landscape overall of the American Athletic Conference. Um, like I mentioned, a lot of um, eyeballs are going to be on Houston because of how heavily favored they're going to be heading into the season. Here's what Sampson had to say about the rest of the conference. Coach, uh, this is kind of my question that I usually ask you, but what are your thoughts overall on the conference this season? I think the conference is uh, uh, getting better. Uh, and I think it starts with the coaches. We've got really good coaches in this league. Uh, um, you know, some of them inherited tougher situations than others. Um, what Aaron McKee is doing at Temple, Ron Hunter at uh, Tulane, um, those those two guys' programs you can you, you know are making big jumps. Um, Cincinnati. Uh, Memphis, those those two schools are great name brands for our league. Uh, they've been good for a long, long time. Uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, uh, to me, has always been the, the bellwether school for this conference, um, uh, especially our first four or five years. Uh, they carried the league, them in Connecticut. 
but the other schools are getting better. Uh, some we have some first year uh, coaches uh, in the league that I think is going to do an outstanding job at their individual schools. So um, our our league, um, you know, the goal for our league is just to continue to fight to get more teams in the tournament, and then when we're in the tournament, you know, get a breakthrough, you know, win the first game, uh, get to the second game, then have a chance to win your second game. That's that's what was. Uh, I knew Memphis, uh, when they got in the tournament last year, uh, that was going to be a tough matchup for somebody. And uh, they, they could have easily, not easily, but they could have won that uh, Gonzaga game. Um, but Temple's going to be right there. Tulane's going to be right there. Uh, Cincinnati's got a team that can contend for the conference championship. Uh, Memphis does. So uh, I think our league's getting better. Right there, went through a brief overview of everyone, and I think particular um, high regards for Memphis and Cincinnati. You heard him right there at the end of the clip. If he could have split his, his vote, he he might have, is what Samson said. And obviously, uh, some interesting, it, when it comes to news around the conference, Memphis just announced that they have given an extension to head coach Benny Hardaway that was going to keep him with the Tigers through 2028, um, which is big news for Memphis and Benny Hardaway. Um, but just right there, you heard Calvin Sampson kind of break down around, um, really give a good scope of the conference. I think he did a good job of highlighting just about um, as many teams as possible. And especially he, he, particularly focusing on Tulane Temple with um, those programs have been able to do in the past and especially kind of build um, this is going to be the final year for Houston in the American Athletic Conference. They're certainly going to have a huge target on their back from a lot of these teams, probably from all the teams that they play um, starting the conference season, just because they want to make a big final statement to Houston. They're already going to be so highly favored when it comes to national rankings and all that. There's going to be, I think, Honestly, I don't think there might be a single game this season when whoever Houston plays, it's going to be the biggest game of the year. Oh, without a doubt, especially in conference. I think mm -hmm. in conference, specifically speaking, they're going to be the biggest draw um, every week, and I expect them to get the best shot every week. And Coach Sampson wouldn't rather—I'm sure he wouldn't rather have it any other way. I mean, he he would want it like it is because with success. Um, breeze expectation. Now they have the expectation to succeed, and um, teams are going to want to measure up uh, against Houston. And you look at—I don't need to say—the last couple of years of um, what they reached when they've been able to, what they've been able to do. And so, I mean, it's no surprise, but I think the depth of this conference, the guard play in this conference, is really, really, really good. From all the guards Houston has, from Jamal Shed, Marcus Sasser, Chamar Mark, to Jalen Cook at Tulane. Um, to Kendrick Davis at at Memphis. And, man, I'm very, very excited about this guard play. But um, <laughs> he's gonna, um, they're going to they're gonna be ready, especially on the road. I think this year, Coach Sampson's course is going to be focused on this year. But I think in hindsight, he knows how tough next year when they get in the Big 12, those road games are going to be. And so this year, I think he's going to be really, really preaching – um, like he always is. I don't think he minimizes the toughness of road games, but um, I, I think they're just going to embrace that back against the wall mentality, us against the world mentality, going against everyone they're going to face this season. I think Sean right there makes a great point. The AC, the American Athletic Conference is going to have a chance at three bids. Um, to be honest, I think they might have a chance at more. Um, and obviously the key right there is going to be non-conference Memphis. They always do a very great job when it comes to scheduling and, and scheduling those tough marquee non-conference opponents. In my opinion, you mentioned right there Cincinnati in the Maui Invitational. And um, you heard Calvin talk That's about Temple and Tulane. Exactly. And, and uh, I mean, those have been schools that um, – and credit to Thompson there when he was talking about Cincinnati that during the early years of the conference there were he called them the bellwether school that really especially when Houston kind of first started getting into that rise um the years 2017-18 um Cincinnati it's always seemed like uh was the team that really gave Houston a lot of fits and you know Cincinnati's had a bit of a up and down in the past few years but it, it always seems like they find a way to get into the you muted yourself, Andy. 
that meant to do that because we were live. But anyways, um, we saw what Memphis was able to do last season. Not only that were they able to win in the NCAA tournament, but they gave Gonzaga all they could. Um, and you heard Kelvin Thompson there said it. Um, I agree. There was, there was a time where they could have um, certainly were in the game against Gonzaga, and they could have. Um, they certainly gave the Zags all they, they could in that tournament game. But I agree with you. That depth overall for the conference is going to be uh, really stellar in it. I think what Sean alluded to right there when it comes to the non-conference, that's probably going to be um, key when it comes to respect for the conference uh, from a national perspective. Mm-hmm. Because um, at the end of the day, that's really what's going to be the big thing because um, especially with the national pundits, depending on how the league does in non-conference play, it certainly might turn a lot of eyeballs. And when it comes to respect for the conference, and like we mentioned at the top of the segment, there's going to be a lot of teams gunning for Houston, especially once uh, the conference part of the schedule um, does begin for Houston. I did want to add one other thing um, from one of our commenters, Kickface, and Theoretaries talks about the Houston-UCF home and away game for basketball that he's referring to. He called it kind of lame, but he's referring to um, once Houston just goes into the Big 12. Um, uh, reportedly, the Big 12 is wants to pair a lot of the teams to have a home and away for each season. <clears throat> and Houston and UCF has been reported to be that matchup, um, which they have history when it comes to being in the American Athletic Conference. But um, that's going to be interesting to see once they do get into the Big 12. But that's uh, beyond. We'll focus back on this upcoming season in particular. Um Obviously, you know, the two players are going to be a lot of eyeballs on when it comes to Marcus Sasser and Jamal Shedd. Marcus Sasser, because of the season, the terror that he was on a season ago before he suffered that foot injury, and then Jamal Shedd and what he was able to do when he rose, um, especially during that NCAA tournament run, he really got to be able to show a national what he's able to do. And I think it's interesting where Calvin Sampson mentioned it, that uh, I think the question was asked, how Shed was able to essentially kind of um, grow into a bigger role with, with Sasser out. But Calvin said that he had kind of, when it came to early season growing pains after the first half of the Wisconsin game where uh, I can't remember what exactly they were down. I think they might've been down 20 at halftime and they rallied to, to make it a very close game in the second half. They lost. Um, I think it was on the final possession if I remember correctly. It was a heartbreaking loss, but something that Calvin said during his media availability or his media day um, session was that that's really when he figured out that uh, Shed had to play along with Sasser and and Mark and, and Kyler Edwards, not necessarily because of, of how they face. He said that before that, he was trying to run a rotation with Sasser, Kyler Edwards, and, and Tremont Mark, and really Jamal Shed really helped things out just in terms of uh, the natural facilitator he is um, and how he's able to set up a lot of guys. Yeah, and I think him in regards to that question that you're referring to, he was mentioning and how before the injuries um, that took place for Houston last year, that Jamal was already in that star lineup, and he was referring to Jamal being the better fit as far as for what the team needed with him and Marcus playing together. And I think from just strictly Jamal's perspective, man, the, the point guard position is so so good in the American Conference. Um, he is the first conference talent, but it's going to be hard for him to crack that with the likes of Kendrick Davis and um, Jalen Cook. Um, but specifically to him, his playing style and how he's grown throughout last year, I expect him to take an even bigger step this season, especially with his assist number. I, I think he can average a double-double. I, I really believe that he can average around – around 10 points and, and 10 to 11 assists. I think he can do that with the firepower that he has around him and the ability to push the break and, and see the floor and see these plays happening before they happen. I remember – I can't remember the game, but there's times last year when he make behind-the-back passes and you just like <laughs> – like that's Jason Kidd, um, Steve Nash, Hall of Fame-type passes that he's able to make. And when you have the likes of – um, Marcus Sasser, you got Traymon, Mark Jarris Walker, Terrence Arsenault, and the list goes on. All the players that he's going to have run the wings with him, and then in the half corset when they run that pick and roll action, he's going to be able um, to make the right decision. So I expect him, his game, to grow even more. And I think at times last year with the injuries, he was forced to have to um, look to score more because at times they wouldn't have um, the scoring threat that they would have it'd be on a night-to-night basis um last year but I think this year is going to be more consistent we know Mark is going to give you about 20 points a game um I expect Traymond 
Mark to give you anywhere from 15 to 20 points a game, um, anywhere in between that. Um, it's unseen uh, uh, what Jerry's, J1, and the, everyone else is going to do. But Coach Sampson's thing is a pack winning. I mean, he's always tampering expectations yeah. down for freshmen and realize how can, it, how can they impact winning. And so I can't wait to see how um, they do that. But we know how Marcus can impact winning, how Tremont can impact winning, how Jamal Shea can impact winning, Jaywan Roberts, and the list goes on and on. And so I think Jamal Shea is going to be the catalyst. It's going to be the engine um, to this team that makes it go. Absolutely. And I think one of the, the key areas, it's going to be interesting to see where Jamal Shedd has grown overall as a player. One of the things, something that, that the defenses had, had kind of, uh, when they did play him, especially in the NCAA tournament, um, especially towards the beginning, they had kind of uh, uh, dared him to, to shoot from the three-point line. It's going to be interesting to see how he's grown in various different areas. And obviously you mentioned freshmen, specifically Jonas Walker, um, and Kelvin Sampson was actually asked specifically about Walker. And, and Sampson, like you mentioned, didn't necessarily um, to say temper down expectations, but he was honest just in terms of, you know, they, if anyone's expecting Jarris Walker to come from the get-go and dominate, um, he said that they have a misconception of him because he is a freshman. Um, and, and the certain phrase that he uses where he is starting – right now is so much farther behind than where Fabian White was just a season ago. Um, and obviously when it comes to Fabian White, been he's been around with the program for so many years, became the winningest player in Houston Cougars history. Um, and obviously for a lot of fans, there's a lot of attention towards Jairus Walker because of the high expectations when it comes to his rankings and how highly rated he is and all that. Um, but, Kelvin was quick to remind that he's still a freshman regardless of uh, all those rankings and that. And he said that he, he reminds him of a pinball machine that's getting bounced around all over the place and still learning a lot, obviously, not just Jeff Walker, but all the freshmen uh, when it comes to Terrence Arsenault and Emmanuel Sharp as well. They're still trying to adjust and, one, learn all of the Houston system, all the different um, expectations, exactly all the all the expectations when it comes to what they're expected to do when a specific, you know, pick and roll, when the specific um, a phrase is said, what's that supposed to mean? And then obviously when it comes to the culture, learning all that. So there's still ways to go, not only for Walker, but for all the freshmen. Um, and regarding uh, Shed specifically and um, kind of his running backcourt mate, obviously we got to mention Marcus Sasser, like I mentioned, um, really the the good, the strong season he was putting together before he suffered that injury. He was averaging over 17 points a game. He has shot looked as good as had ever looked during his time in Houston. Um, and we're going to hear what Marcus Sasser and Jamal Shed had to say. Things. Um, we had a couple of people that was coming back, going through, you know, ups and downs. Um but just staying true to the culture, you know, coach just always told us, you know, fight through adversity and things like that. So from my freshman year to now, you know, just staying with the culture, you know, seeing things go good and then seeing things go bad, but just always staying true to the culture, you know, it's it's always going to be a good outcome when, you know, just staying true to the culture. Next to James Muller from the Cougar, please. Yeah, Marcus and Jamal, this is for both of you. Y'all have obviously been around the program for a while, been a part of some good winning teams. Is there something about this year's team that that stands out and that that makes it unique, um, especially given the expectations y'all have um, going into the year? Um, I'd say just how versatile we can be on defense once we get locked in. Uh, We have a lot of weapons and a lot of guys who can understand, like, certain defensive concepts. But, you know, they have to understand them first, and we have to get that kind of chemistry first. But I think what we can do on defense kind of stands out to me. Um, I'll just say uh, chemistry. You know, a lot of us been playing together since we first got here. Me and Jamal, me, Tremont, me, Juwan, and Reggie, you know. Um, our chemistry is real good on the court. We've been practicing together for three, four years together. You know, we've been through many wars and many battles. So I just say, you know, when we have hard times on the court, we got. 
well, you got cut off there. I uh, didn't mean to cut off Marcus Sasser, but um, from that clip, I think the interesting thing, and you heard Jamal Shedd say it, um, was just the versatility, especially when it comes to the defensive side of things. For Houston, I think one of those key players for Houston is going to be Jaywan Roberts and really what he's able to do um, now that we mentioned Fabian White's no longer going to be with the program. Neither is Josh Carlton, and he's going to be um, one of the players that's going to look to take a significant jump along um, in the front court. He is, and I expect him to do so. And what Jaywan will bring to the table defensively is versatility, and that's one of the things mm-hmm. I'm sure that um, Jamal is, is hitting at because they got so many players who can pretty much guard one through five. Jarius Walker, I think, will have the ability to guard one through five and switch. Terrence Arsenault, is six 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 seven frame, will have the ability to guard um, a lot of different positions. And so I, I think defensively, he, he's seeing – the versatility that they can have and how when they're all on one accord and one tuned in on how they can really be dominant and let their defense win some games. But let's be frank, often Houston wins games with their defense, the way they defend, Mm -hmm. the way they lock teams down. And, um, you know, Kellen Sampson always says the tougher teams win. And often you show your toughness on the defensive end and specifically rebounding as well. And Jay Wan is a monster at that. And so I think this will be one of the most versatile teams. I think we'll see some four-guard lineups. We'll see uh, Jerry's probably play some five, Jay Wan play some five. I'm sure him and him, Jay Wan and Jerry's will play a lot together, probably be that finishing lineup. just depends on who they're playing. But I think we could even see a lineup where it's four guards and a big in which you really didn't see that much last year. And kind of to the other point that um, you made about Coach Sampson made about Jairus and Fabian, I mean, let's just look at, think about um, how Fabian developed all the way until he was last mm-hmm. year. And I will think of what I, Jairus, what he will bring in his first year, he won't be as complete as Fabian developed into all-around basketball player, but he will have raw athleticism, that Fabian yeah. um, didn't have, uh, didn't have and doesn't have. I think his athleticism, his ability to grab the rebounds and push the break and pass, and Coach Sampson has already raved about Jerry's probably uh, maybe the second best passer behind Jamal and his ability to push the break and um, go one-on-one in, in the midcourt and be quicker and more athletic than who's guarding him. And so not only – not so quick looking to post up, but his face-up game as well, in which Coach Sampson – really, really allow Fabian to um, ISO in that mid post and let him go to work, whether it's facing up or um, backing his players down. And so I think the versatility from his team um, is going to be one of the the big things. And I I just can't wait to see it because you got a maestro like um, Kelvin Sampson, and I'm pretty sure he's just having at the bit to kind of see. And like I mentioned for the um, the women's team, allowing the players – to play into their roles and let them define their roles for this team. Absolutely. And I'm going to bring up an interesting question by Sean. Uh, What do you think is going to be the best defensive lineup for Houston? And I think this is a bit of a two-part question. I think it's a really, really great question. Um, I think we'll start with the easier side. I think, Hands down, the two guards are going to be in the part of the best defensive line is going to be Jamal Shedd and Marcus Sasser. Uh, That's going to be regardless of it when it comes to your starting backcourt. I think that third, uh, the three, and you could, depending on how Houston goes, it's another guard. It looks like Tremont Mark might be in that slot right now. Um, But would you put... I might I might lean uh, Ramon Walker to be um, that third slot when it comes to defense. And then if we're talking early on in the season, I might go Jaywan Roberts. And then this is this is tricky. Now, I do say if we're talking the beginning of the season, you might want to. I can't do it. You know, you have to have Jarrett Walker in there um, because of his athleticism and because of just the the raw, like you mentioned, the raw skill set that he brings to the table. Um, I think what I was kind of leaning towards, um, since he is a freshman, especially early on, potentially you could have a veteran like Reggie Chaney in there if you need one stop. But I I have I struggle trying to keep Walker off the court um, just because of that. That he like Jamal should mention that versatility. Um, he was talking about the whole team, but I think that versatility that um, Walker adds to the team as a whole. So I think if I had to, that that'd be the best defensive lineup um, for me. What say you? 
my best defensive lineup, I, I would go with um, Javier Francis at the five. I think his shot blocking ability is going to be something that no one on the, on the team brings. Then I would go Jarris at the four. I, um, I think he he may be a slight better defender than J1. I think J1 is a better rebounding, but rebounding and defense kind of they do go hand in hand. But I'm just strictly talking defense with the question. So I will go those two as my bigs. Then I will definitely go Ramon Ramon in there, Jamal, and I will I will go with, with Marcus. I will go with Marcus. That's just strictly best defensive lineup. Who I'm thinking I, I need a block shot. I need. Whatever I need on the floor defense, I need to stop. I would think that's the best defensive lineup. I'm not saying overall that's the best players, but strictly to the question, I, I would go with that as my best defensive team. No, you make up great points. I think um, it's going to be interesting to see what JVA Francis can bring to the table. Um, he's one of those players that didn't necessarily get a lot of minutes a season ago, and um, it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of finds his niche um, now with another year under his belt under Calvin Sampson, the Houston Cougars program. Um, one more note I did want to bring up from Sean, and um, he did mention there's been report from Matt Norlander of CBS Sports that Terrence Arsenal could be a starter by the season's end. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I have seen that report, and uh, Dan, I'll take it first. I, If Terrence Arsenal is a starter for Houston at the end of the season, he has put together one hell of a first um, <laughs> season for me to do it because yeah. I don't – especially where um, you hear Calvin Sampson talk right now, uh, especially when well, he's talked about all the freshmen like that, but in particular where it's hard for – a freshman to be able to, um, like you said, the phrase that he likes to say, impact winning um, for a program where the Houston Cougars are. Um, I mean, think about it. He's going to, to be a starter, he would have to beat out one of these three in Tremont Mark, Jamal Shedd, and Marcus Sasser. And I don't see it. Um, and that's why I think if he somehow did end up starting, he would have one heck of a season. Or that means that Houston was hit bit by the injury bug. So we'll, we'll steer clear and hopefully that's not the case this year. But then even then, he has to. Um, you know, get past uh, Ramon Walker. We're not necessarily sure yet what's going to be the case with Malik Wilson if he gets um, that transfer waiver and if if um, he's even um, a part of the, the rotation, depending on what Houston decides to do um, with, him, with him if he does get that waiver. And then um, one of the other players that has been forgotten, he's still a freshman, Emmanuel Sharp. Um, is in there as well. So uh, I think it's going to be really tough for him to be able to, to crack that rotation. I think the, the skill set is there. The potential is there. I just think Houston's loaded, especially at the guard position. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be hard for him to crack that starting lineup. But going back to the versatility point that I made earlier, he may not be a starter, but I think there will be lineups where he's on the floor with Marcus, um, Jamal, and Tremont. At the, then he can because he's so long that he can in some matchups he can play that four spot. You think of matchups like Tulane, in which they pretty much have four perimeter players on the floor and a big, and so you're pretty much on the matchup. I can see him finishing some games and definitely cracking the rotation and being a part of it. But it's all about matchups. For him to be a starter, like you said, he'd have to have one hell of a season to <laughs> out one of those other players, in which it could possibly be so, but. That's one thing I will say about Coach Sampson. Although he talks about freshmen, when you look at the history from what we've seen from him with freshmen, Marcus Sasser played as a freshman. Yeah. Caleb Mills, before he left, played as a freshman. Um, who, who else am I missing right now? Fabian, he played as yeah, a freshman. Tremont Mark. Tremont Mark had a role as a freshman. As a freshman. Um, and so he will he will allow you to play as a freshman. It just has to be earned. I don't, Cole Sampson is yeah. such a great coach. He he doesn't go into games or seasons with things like, oh, freshmen don't play. A rigid or mindset. Yeah, yeah, with a mindset like – he doesn't. He's so open, and that's what, in my opinion, makes him such a great coach. He allows each game to tell its own story. If Marcus is having a bad game and Terrence ends up having a great game, he will start Terrence for in that second half and Marcus is oh, whoever the player could be. And so he's mm -hmm. such a great coach allowing players on a game-to-game -game basis to, to tell that story that I would see Terrence having an impact on the season. And, I mean – who knows? He could end up starting and he could have one of those players, Tremont, and maybe could come off the bench and be that score and facilitator on that second lineup. He's just such a good coach and he's um, 
He gets players to buy in to their roles and whatever the role may be, he isn't scared to, to make that um, choice and decision. And I, and I love him for that. Um, I, I don't think he'd be a starter, but I wouldn't be surprised if he do so. For Coach Sampson, he's just unpredictable. He's such a good coach. He does what's necessary, no matter what's your feelings or, or who thinks <laughs> or what about it. It's about the team. Agreed, absolutely. And I mean, just to add to to the long length uh, uh, list of freshmen that impacted um, Houston the past few years, Ramon Walker just last season uh, played a big role for the Cougars. He ended up starting now. Obviously, a big reason for that was the injuries. But Ramon Walker was making plays, um, not even necessarily being a score, but making those those plays that impact winning. Whether whether it was taking a charge, it always seemed like he was taking um, one or two charges a game, hustling yeah. for the ball, diving for loose balls. So, like you mentioned, I think that's that's an excellent point, just in terms of um, there's. Uh, Proof in the past that a freshman can impact um, and crack the rotation for Houston. It's just a matter of earning that trust. And like you said, earning it. Um, that's the biggest thing with Calvin Sampson and the program overall as the coaching staff. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Pod Slime and Jamma. We appreciate every single person that took time to comment on the show. Um, Sean, Lamar Sanders, uh, Workout Playlist, Med Edwin Mig, um, Kickface had a couple of comments in there. Aaron Alley joined for a second. And um, for anyone else that, that stayed with us and was able to, to enjoy the show, didn't necessarily talk. We appreciate you guys as well. We'll take this opportunity to show the channel and to remind you guys to please subscribe to the channel. Uh, we are on the road to a thousand subs. You see right there, we're currently at. 321 which is about 32.1 percent of the way to our goal so help us out and let us or help us out get to that finish line it'll really help us out because once we hit a thousand subscribers we can really start cooking and that's when the channel can monetize and we can continue to make content um for you guys that you guys enjoy so much especially heading into this season that has a lot of high expectations um, for uh, both the men's and women's basketball team and uh, a lot of national expectations and just overall for the Houston um, athletic scene um, in general, obviously uh, the big move to the Big 12 looming in now less than a year. So be sure to um, subscribe if you haven't done so already. Recommend to any other supporters of UH Athletics. We greatly appreciate it. Like I said, that's going to do it for today's show. Be sure to check out Let's Rage Cougs. We're going to we have a bye week as well when it comes to the postgame show, but we'll, we'll be right back October 22nd. That's an 11 a.m. kickoff. Houston Navy will be back talking about football next week. Um, so be sure to check that out. Let's Rage Cougs on the Houston Ron Ball Review YouTube channel. Dayon, I'm going to toss it over to you, uh, sir. Any final word? Uh, well, like you said, I want to thank for those who commented, who tuned in and watched the entire episode with us. Like Andy also said, make sure you like and subscribe. And, um, you know, we cannot let an episode go by. It's only one way to end it, and that's go Cougs. <laughs>